Guys, about a month ago, my family and I were headed to the Dells to get some much anticipated and needed quality time away. Uh, for weeks leading up to the trip, our kids have been excitedly talking about the Wolf Lodge, okay, the place where we all howl, where they give you the ears, where we can go and get away, and they've been just talking about it and talking about it. A couple weeks before going on the trip, we got sick, though, and we got sick kind of like, uh, like many of you and like many of you have heard today are still sick. This has just been going around, we're like, this feels junky. And the only bright side to getting sick was that at least we're getting sick now, and not on the trip. Hint, hint, foreshadowing. Okay. So the kids were busy packing and repacking their fun bags. We'd just been talking about it. We did our Sunday service. We went home. We packed the van, cleaned the house. Everybody's excited for the trip. Next morning, we grabbed some oatmeal and iced coffee from McDonald's, and we hit the road early. Everything goes perfect. I mean, it's the best drive ever. The kids are talking to each other. They're playing. There's no fighting. We even remember to drop the dog off on the way so she's taken care of. It's going great. They take naps. Amy and Hyatt have an awesome conversation. The two hours just fly by, and there we are. We see it. Woohoo! Everybody's getting excited. There it is. And so we pull into the drive, pull off the highway. We pull right in, right in where it says guest check-in registration right here in our car. And right as I put the car into park, one of my kids just throws up all over themselves, all over the car, all everywhere. It's a mess. No warning, no other symptoms. Nothing else, nothing to look at them and say that there was something tumultuous going on in their stomach. Out of nowhere, the sickness comes on us. And over the next few days, everyone looked completely fine, acted completely fine, but one by one, we succumbed and fell to yet another stomach bug that was going around. Needless to say, by the end of our, that week, everybody had their own designated personal cup they had to walk around with at all times. How you determine to measure something determines the health of that thing. You know, at first, Amy and I were in denial. You know, it, it was just this one-time thing, right? Like, it was probably something bad in the oatmeal she ate. Or, or maybe, uh, you know, this child that has never had a history of uh, car sickness or motion sickness, maybe they just developed it on the way there. Like, she's probably not sick. It's probably fine. Look at everything else. She's acting fine. She's talking fine. Nothing seems wrong. And then all of a sudden, we're like, okay, she's probably sick. There's something else going on here. Did you know that it's possible to look at the outwardly? It's, it's possible to outwardly look healthy, to be doing the right thing, good things, things that are worth rewarding, but inwardly something can be off. And when that happens, eventually what's inside will come out and overshadow and disrupt the rest of the things that are going on. Life is fine. I'm doing great at work. I'm up for a promotion. I'm killing it. My bosses are just recognizing me like crazy. I'm well-liked by my colleagues. Everything's going really, really well. But every day I come home from work and I just feel this overwhelming sense of exhaustion. Every day I come home dealing with crippling anxiety. Every day I struggle to get out of bed. Every day I'm impatient or unkind to my wife or my children or those around me. I can find myself distracting myself with drink or entertainment or pleasure or more work just so I don't have to deal with what's going on inside me. But look at all the good things I'm doing. Look at all the things I'm accomplishing. I'm okay. 
everything's fine. I can handle it. How you measure health is how you will measure the health of something. Is there anything more annoying? Is there anything more annoying than the person that you know is sick that won't admit that they're sick? No, like, please don't come. Just stay home. Like, we don't want, we know that you're strong, independent, and you can push through this, but seriously, it's okay. Just stay home. We don't want you around. We love you, but we don't want your germs. Oftentimes, we like to measure our success, justify our condition by our outcome. Today is our business meeting Sunday. And you may notice that our worship was a little shorter, and the preaching will be too, hopefully, if we're all praying in the line, but we'll see. But I'd like to give a little bit of time today. We're going to talk about stuff that happened last year and the wins from last year and everything that God's been doing in this house and through this ministry. But before we do that, I'd like to give us a framework for health. Today, what I want to talk about is the measure of a healthy church. How, what's the marks and what do you see? What defines a healthy church? About six months ago, I just want to take a quick, just, just a second before we go there. I just want to talk about the Holy Spirit for a second. About six months ago, we started this verse-by-verse, line-by-line study on Ephesians. And this week, I knew that we were doing the business meeting, and I anticipated what God was doing in my heart and thinking that I was prepping for the message. It was going to go someplace different than where we were at in our text. But you know what's boggled me is that I, I knew when we went into the Ephesians series that we were just, it was, God clearly said, we're supposed to go into this series. And it's just boggled me. It's just been incredible how time after time, week after week, where we were at in the series, the verses that we were studying that day just lined up exactly with what the, where our church was at, where our culture was at, and just line by line. It's just been incredible. This week, one, uh, somebody in our office asked me, so are we going to still line up with Ephesians? I said, no. Uh, this week we're doing something different. We're going to be at, we're studying something else. It's not going to be in our Ephesians study. But as I got going, a verse came to my mind. And just part of it, and so when I looked it up, I just could not believe that it lines up with Ephesians studies. So would you please stand with me as we read Revelations chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And it says this, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me. Do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove the lampstand from its place among the churches. Father God, I pray that this word, God, would go forth today. Lord, I pray that it would seed itself deep in our hearts, Father. God, I pray that it would push back against our tendency, God, to do things, to do more and more and more, and against the desire to just be present and healthy. Lord, I pray that this would be a word of encouragement today, Father, and lead us to deeper truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can take a seat. Thank you. As I've been reflecting on 2022, this church and the ministry that we, that we operate here, the question I've been asking myself is, what is the measure 
of a healthy church? How do you measure? How do you monitor? How do you track the growth or the health of a church? You know, in the natural, time and time again, I, uh, I go to these Christian conferences or gatherings, and again and again, I hear uh, pastors or leaders and teachers say, you, you do not count the health by the numbers. But then I hear those same guys say that healthy things grow, and the numbers tell you that your church is either healthy or not healthy. And honestly, it's so easy to determine health of a church or an organization by nickels and noses. Are we paying the bills? Are we putting butts in seats? It's so easy to say if we're healthy if we're growing. It's so easy to say we're healthy if we're big. And sometimes that can be the case, and that can definitely be true. But just as often, and I know this from my personal life, as well as a corporate gathering like this, it's so easy to appear healthy. It's so easy to do good things, but have a foundation underneath. It's not built on something solid or strong. It's built on something else, something else that's not healthy, that's unhealthy. When we're on the way to the Dells, the kids look fine, they look great. Everything's going perfect until it wasn't going perfect. And oftentimes we measure health of something by the wrong standard or by the wrong measures. And here this text in Revelations chapter 2, there, God's speaking to his prophet and saying the measure of the healthy church is whether that church is a loving church. It's amazing that you guys don't tolerate evil people. It's amazing that you have worked so hard and you have this patient endurance about you. It's amazing that you have suffered for me. Look at all the good things you are doing, but you're doing it without love. In God's economy, the measure of a healthy church is not a large attendance or a fat coffer Oftentimes we believe that's the sign of blessing from God. But, it's a sign, but the measure of a healthy church to God is the church growing in love. He cares more about how we are doing things than what we are doing for him. This goes back into the Old Testament. And he says this time and time again when God sent his prophet Samuel to choose the next king. These words still ring true today. 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says, When they arrived... Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We've studied this already, but Paul gives us the verses for what a healthy church looks like. Ephesians chapter 4, he says, Instead, we will speak the truth and love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I don't know if it's just my personality type and how I'm made up or that just type A kind of drive, taskless oriented, got to get it done, got to get it done, got to get it done. But so often in my life, I feel more accomplished or feel like I'm doing something worthwhile. And the opposite side, I feel worthless and feel judged and feel like I'm, I, I'm not, I don't shine up to what I should be doing based on my accomplishments. Am I getting things done? Am I doing a good job? You know, what's funny to me is that God, again and again, just brings this lesson of humility. I can study for a message. I can prepare for it. I can, the best examples, and it all fits together, and it's just beautifully written. I deliver it, and I get, like, no feedback. 
and the weeks that I'm just put to the test, and I'm like, God, this is the best I have. I did everything I could. And then everybody's like, that was so anointed. That was exactly what I needed to hear. That was amazing. I'm like, that was crap. That was, sorry, that was bad. <laughs> but again and again, God's showing me that it's not about you. I want your heart. I want you to do a good job. We talked about that last week about the Christian employee and the employer. You're supposed to work hard. You're supposed to do, bring your best to every circumstance. But God's more concerned about who you are as a person in your heart than what you're doing with your hands. He says, leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go fix the relationships you've broken, then come back to me. So God, not what are we doing for you, but who are we? How are we doing the things that we're doing for you? The purpose of the church is for each person in submission to Jesus to operate in their gifting. And when we do that, the whole body continues to grow in love. The purpose of the church is to continually become a community growing in love. And this is not a status that you can achieve, but it is an ongoing culture you must continually maintain. Us Christians, us Americans do not like things that you cannot win. We always want that ability to be able to say, check, done, got it. I am now a loving person. I can go on to the next task. But you will always, for the ever, be a person that as continually must be a student to love. You must continually give it time. It's not something you can say, I loved in the morning. Now I can be impatient and unkind tonight. People will remember the times that you're not loving more than the times that you are. But the more and more that you cultivate an atmosphere and the presence of God in your life, the more and more you will become a person of love. And the more and the more those times of outbursts and impatience and unhealth, they will dwindle and become less. A church is marked by whether it's healthy or not. If you read the same text, Ephesians 4 in the ESV, it talks about how building the whole thing up in love. And the image I get when you read it that way is that this, it's a stonemason or a mason, a concrete worker that's building a wall. And layer by layer, they lay the string straight, they put brick by brick on, but the whole thing is connected by mortar. Everything must be connected by love in the church. Everything we do, every action we go, every event, every program, every sermon, every small group, every leader must approach things with love. It's the mortar, it's the thing that holds everything together. If the mortar is weak, then the wall would be weak. Our church could have amazing programs, large crowds, fat, healthy amounts of money in the bank. But if we do not build this community up in love, none of that matters. Paul says it this way in a time when he is describing famously the power, the supernatural power by the work of the Holy Spirit that we can have in 1 Corinthians. He stops midway to insert this beautiful chapter on love. He says it this way, 1 Corinthians 13. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge. If I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. The mark and the measure of a healthy church is a community that is knitted together and growing in love.
I just want to spend a few moments talking to you about 2022. Many of you are new to this room. Many of you have no understanding of the, uh, of the history of our church, and you've joined recently, but 2022 was a year of transitioning and settling for our community. In 2022, we were adjusting to new, new leadership and new faces. For the first time in our church's 20-plus-year history, we were transitioning from the founding senior pastor to a new leader. But not only were we adjusting to a new lead position, a new face in the lead position, we had new faces in the kids' ministry and the youth ministry and the young adult ministry and the admins and the worship leaders and the associate pastor. We didn't just change one position. We changed every single position. And so as a church, that can be very unsettling because you begin to rely and trust these leaders in the, what they're doing. Often life is so chaotic and you come to church and believe this is the place that is peaceful and restful and gives you something to go back into the world from. So transition, a time of change, is always an opportunity for growth, and growth is always an opportunity for pain. And so maybe some of the transition, it honestly hurt. It hurt for us. Maybe some of that growth was painful. Not only this, but culturally, all those, and I don't know if you think back about this, it's kind of like, PTSD for me, like thinking back about 2020 and 2021 and the church community and stuff. But the end of 2021, we were just coming out of the lockdowns and the social restrictions. And so our church was not just adjusting in 2022 to new leadership and new faces around here, but they're also just trying to figure out what's normal now. What does church look like? We never had live stream before, we never had the social distance before. Coughs could just be coughs before, like, do I come to church? Do I not? Do I stay home? When is it appropriate? And we're all just trying to figure this out. So 2022 was a stretching year for our church. It was a testing year. It was a year where you would ask yourself the question, why am I here? If you're here during that time, you ask yourself that. And the answer, because you're here today, is that you're here because you felt led by God to be here, to the ministry, and by God. Not to a person, not to the pulpit, not to your preferences or the worship team, or I like how they do kids minister, I like their coffee, or not. You're here because you felt the call of God in your life to be a presence in this community. And you demonstrated that again and again by showing up, by serving by giving, by being involved, by participating in the life of our church. You have shown, Church in the Rock, that you are a resilient people. A people able to change, able to transition, able to grow through painful circumstances. You have shown that you are a house of worship, and more importantly than worshiping a person or the platform, you worship God. That you are a community that's connected and bought in to what God's doing here. And the faces and leadership can change. But until God calls you, you remain. That is what you demonstrated in 2022. A year of transition where it easily could have been a time where you could have left. You stuck, you dug in deep, and you gave and you served in love. Last year, I just want to share a few things. KOTR, our kids' ministry, we had new leadership, good leadership. Before I moved into this position, I was running the children's ministry downstairs, and I had just revamped it. I spent like two months revamping and tweaking the whole program. I was like, 
wait, now I have to change? I'm kind of like loving this. This is really fun. You guys are boring. These kids want to dance and do things, and this is really awesome. I don't want to go upstairs with the adults. And so at the time when we knew it was time for us to transition upstairs, God brought in a guy named Chad Zalud. And Chad Zalud is hippie Jesus, I call him. You'll see him. If you see his long hair, you'll know who he is. He has the most amazing heart for children's ministry. He's been scoping out kids' programs and ministries for years. He just loves children. If you go downstairs, you really should just take time to look at the designs and the themes he builds because he just cares about an immersive experience where your kids can begin to worship God. And over the last year, that's kind of what's changed downstairs as the kids began to dance and to jump and to really develop this culture of worship downstairs. Chad and Denise, the, the other part of that uh, leadership team down there, they have brought back this emphasis to missions. And you will see little girls and boys out in the lobby trying to hawk bracelets and stuff. Noodle necklaces and bad paint, good paintings, great paintings. Paintings we definitely don't throw away, right? And all that money is going to BGMC. But what they're doing is not just raising five bucks or ten bucks. What they're doing is trying to grow a heart to missions, a heart in kids that care about missions, and they're doing that now at a young age. And Youth on the Rock, we've seen uh, Denise take over for me in the youth group. And what's been beautiful about that is the kids no longer, is the students no longer see me as their pastor. They see Denise. And when they have issue, there's been a beautiful exchange of authority there. Historically, when a youth pastor changes out for another youth pastor, they also get a whole new group of kids because all the kids were linked to that pastor. And when he's gone or she's gone, they leave too. But your kids stuck in, and Denise showed them that she cares about them. And your children, your students, believe it because it's true. Not only that, you've seen the heart for worship grow there, where often, almost, I can't think of a Sunday that hasn't happened now in months, the students are up here clapping and leading us in worship often. You've seen this last year, and, and you know, I'm not going to hit every single one of these. We're going to hit some of these in the business meeting and report we wrote up for you, but I just want to tell you about one more. Our church is growing so powerfully in community. Amy and I, we're coming up on nine years of being in this church in some capacity, and trying to develop a sense of community in our church has always been very difficult. Because we're right off the highway, we all come from far away often, 20 or 30 or 45 minutes away often. It's been a struggle to be able to try to find a way for our church to de develop and to grow into deepening our relationships with each other. But this last year, we began 11 new small groups. This last year, we grew 30 or 40 percent from the year before, years before, in our community participation. We estimate right now that 60 percent of our Sunday attendance is living in community. And to me and to Amy, people who've stood up here and we've preached on it and we've talked about it, we must grow deeper left and right of us. We cannot be connected to the person on the stage, but to the people around us. We must support them. We must invite them to our house. We must sign up for groups. That is such an incredible win to us that our church is bought into community and bought into where we're going as a people, as a, as a faith community in Huntley, Illinois. There's so many ways you could do church. There's so many ways you could do ministry. This is the way we feel called to lead this church right now, and you have responded in such a beautiful and loving and supportive way. All of these things are huge wins to us, 
They're good things. They're healthy things. Healthy things grow. I believe that. And our church in a year of transition has been growing in many ways. But the thing that I really want to say to you today at Church in the Rock is that you have demonstrated an attitude and an atmosphere of doing all things in love. It's been so humbling and exciting to walk into the first-time leadership position of a church this last year and to see a group of people filled with so much support, so much humility, so much grace for Amy and I, the times we've stumbled and messed up, so much loving support. And we see it in every expression of our church. The way you come early and sit in the coffee shop and listen to the piano. The way you stay late and talk and talk and talk, I'm like, go home so I can go home. <laughs> the way that you jumped in to serve when we said kids' ministry needs more people, deacon ministry needs more people. The way that you've given with your finances when we gave to Ukraine or a hurricane or to somebody in need in this house. You have demonstrated not just doing good things and right things but doing all things in love. When a pastor is and asks me how things are going in our church, I honestly respond with all integrity, saying it's been such a joy. This is least dramatic, most unified, most loving that I can remember in our church, and it's been such a joy to lead. It's been such a joy to show up in this position. I know not every season is like that. Not every pastor's, is, not every pastor's community is in a season like this. I am so thankful for good people who love God and serve him and follow him. And Church in the Rock, I believe that's you. Church, would you please stand with me? The measure of a healthy church is how loving they are. The measure of a healthy church is a church, is a church that does things, in the atmosphere of love. The measure of a healthy church is a church that is growing in love. I want to end this time right here together with Ephesians chapter 3, a prayer you're becoming very familiar with. But Paul reads this and he prays this over the church of Ephesus. If you would, feel free to close your eyes and just put your hands out as if you're going to receive again. When I think of all this, I fall on my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, I pray from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. And then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Church, can we just praise God in this moment right now? Church on the Rock, 
Let us continue on growing deeper and deeper in the Lord as you experience his loving presence. May we continue to grow in more and more love to those around us.